Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 16th of May 2022. Well, last week I said the world had gone mad and it's even more mad this week. We had a USDA report last night which was bullish for wheat. Corn is pretty well at contract highs in the States. The whole thing kicked up 70 cents on wheat yesterday. So we start this morning with some incredible prices, even more incredible than the incredible ones of last week. So it's kind of interesting when you do a market report and your prices are out of date within five seconds of speaking. At point of recording, the Nov Futures London were bid for 2022 £340 a tonne, which puts X Farm November at 330 if you're a store member 338 yeah where do we go to it's not a market to sell i guess is it or is it you tell me we've had some rain this week which is great not everybody's got enough obviously but it has happened there is potentially some more coming through so there is a little bit of help for our parched crops the medium and heavy lands are okay with it the light lands have definitely struggled and there's some not very pretty looking bits here and there hopefully a little bit more rain comes through and each time that that happens there's a few more kilos added to the size of the harvest so that's our biggest concern are you lot going to have enough for us to trade but at this point with the rain that's just occurred we're a little bit more optimistic than we were so yeah bullish usda bullish world wheat bullish weather forecast in france although there's potentially some rain going through some of their regions now but the weather is warming up temperatures over 30 degrees in some key areas it's not great. So I think the French are going to lead the charge from the European perspective. The States, their winter wheat production figures were lower than expected, hence the rally. But also world wheat carryout is the lowest for six years at 267 million tonnes. So it's those things that are underlyingly just going to keep fueling the market. I think the corn potentially, now that it's drying up a bit and it's getting planted, albeit a bit late... Once the crop gets in and comes up, there's moisture there, obviously, that might just ease a little bit in sentiment terms. Because nothing quite like your crop getting away and beginning to look good, regardless of being a bit late. It it means there's a crop coming and prices are incredibly high for that product. And every farmer looking at every crop with an average yield in mind is going to say I'm going to make a profit this year so there will be organizations that take that profit so there will be some selling I think in that part of the industry in the meantime it just goes up and up and up and up and up and therefore until it creates a shape that makes us understand that it's somewhere near the top perhaps we'll just close our eyes and pretend it isn't happening so to give you some values I'm going to start with rape old crop rape 800 quid you know, <laughs> yeah, we had that conversation. New crop, £700 a tonne delivered for harvest movement. And there's no particularly interesting story on that other than the weather, which we've already kind of touched on. So make that one up as you go along. Wheat, fundamentally bullish, as I've said. So at the moment, November 3, 30x. 
that makes Harvest 310 Delivered Store, the never-ending rally. Feed Barley, £15, maybe £20 under that. I'm not so sure about whether to put Feed Barley in store or not. That's kind of, you're getting close to £300 a tonne on new crop barley, so that's a consideration. And on old crop, here's a bit of excitement. I think that's largely done and dusted now. We're coming into June. There aren't really many buyers left. There's been one company who's kind of cleared up what they wanted to buy. So I think feed barley's over and done, if you like. So sub 300x, unless we offer it and someone pays the going price. So if you have held on waiting for whatever you were waiting for, then maybe it won't arrive. I don't know, 300, I feel, for feed barley. X farmers was always a fantastic price. But it's there or thereabouts. You might be two or three quid different to it. But largely, harvest is beginning to stare us in the face. Let's not forget, in eight weeks' time, there's an awfully large amount of barley that's going to be traded or moved or committed to movement, which will have an impact. Yeah, I think the only interesting thing this week I want to say is the prices for fertiliser announced yesterday. We don't trade fertiliser, so we don't have any axe to grind on whether it's a buy or a sell. And as I understand it, the fertiliser prices came out at £630 a tonne, which, bearing in mind the headlines of, you know, the world's going to end, our fertiliser prices are 1000 But the point is, £630 a tonne, the maths against new crop prices definitely 270x for november this morning the market has been 280 on the futures so 270x for nov 23 to me without any doubt it's the best forward projected net margin that i think i've ever seen in my career it's a very very good profit so if there's anything that's worth selling in our view if you are fixing your fertilizer price which i think you should because you can do the two things and lock into a guaranteed profit is you need to look at selling the new new crop even though it's sub 300 disastrously for you but your fertilizer cost is significantly lower so that's the only thing i would say have a very good look at that particular crop have a look at that particular profit line and perhaps put 25 percent of your tonnage away but i could well be 10 pounds wrong within the next 10 minutes so ignore me at your own risk this week i'm going to do what i promised to do which is a little meeting about how terrible we've been on our podcast with our little jokes and our little things we say about farmers our little digs and all the things that we do and so we sat down and we said right let's go through a number of things that are actually taken for granted and are positive and it was quite an enjoyable experience actually when you sit and really think it through i'm quite certain i've missed a load of them and please you know text or email me and say you forgot to say this or if you've got to say that here's some other virtues that we hold and things that you haven't mentioned on your podcast but actually stating the obvious on a number of items of the, all of the things that farmers do for the community and how important they are to keep us all alive by providing food we've actually come out with a be nice to farmers week so for those of you who don't mind a bit of compliment listen to it for those of you who can't take compliments like most of you then by all means turn it off but i am for the record saying true things about the good things about farmers thank you thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours if your farm is looking to diversify the first step is having the right website and logo We are East Coast Design Studio and we're experts at creating websites that don't just look good, but get great results. Don't send your money to London. We're from Norwich, so keep it local. Call 01603 728 978 or visit us online at www.eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk. This week, I'm going to do the positive messages about farmers podcast i have spent all of the previous podcasts with my funny little witticisms and all my colleagues coming up with little jokes 
Mainly because I think farmers are the worst compliment takers and the only way you kind of get through to them is with a spot of sarcasm or a spot of like, you know, observation that makes them perhaps look at themselves and have a bit of a giggle sometimes. But in reality, there's a load of things that aren't said because they're not very good at taking compliments. So let's start with the obvious things. What's the farmer ever done for you? Bearing in mind that they are everybody's favourite target for bashing if there's something that ever goes wrong. I think everybody expects the farmers to do a load of things that they don't actually appreciate them. In any village, everybody goes to the farmer for the favour. Can you do tractor rides for the village fete? Can we have the village fete on your field? Can you provide straw bales for the barn dance? Can you do this? Can you do that? There's bucket loads. Can my daughter have car parking in your field for her wedding in a couple of weeks' time? What do you mean you've got a hay crop? It's just a field of grass, isn't it? All of those things are instantly asked and offended if no one gets them to just give this field away. If there's snow, who clears it? If there's a tree across the road, nine times out of ten, it's a farmer with a chainsaw that clears the road as well. If in the case of, you know, a certain son of mine who got his jet ski stuck in the sea, who pulls the truck out of the water and the jet ski at the same time? Who do you call? Who are you going to call? You're going to call a farmer. They cut the hedges, they clear the snow, as I've said. They just do all of those things and everybody expects them to. You know, only because the previous generations of the same family living in the same village have always been doing those things as a matter of course. Charitably, free diesel, free time, all of that. The Christmas tree in the village green. Lots and lots of villagers have a Christmas tree provided by the farmer. All of these things, of course he has to. Yes, it's his village, he's got all those trees, he can do that for free. That's the most obvious thing, just from a practical perspective of living in the countryside. They are the guardians of the countryside. Now that's just like, okay, they own all the land and therefore they just, by definition, it would be green in the spring and it would grow something and it would look fine, really. No, it wouldn't. There's a whole host of things that, by maintaining land, keeps it in a condition that the hedges, the shape, all of those things are actual work that needs to be done with a knowledge of how to do it. Which leads on to the biggest thing that they do is they actually produce food. Now, there's masses of pride and conscience in their production of food. If they're producing a particular malting barley that ends up in a particular beer, they're incredibly proud of it. More importantly, as a matter of course, they will do everything absolutely properly and to the line to produce that product correctly with a completely clear conscience, knowing what the story is, and they'll do it because they really want to do the job properly. They like having their product in an end product that everybody eats or drinks. The knowledge of how to grow things, okay? The best example is Clarkson's Farm. There's Jeremy Clarkson, a multi-millionaire, very intelligent guy with very witty comments. He is absolutely clueless relative to Caleb about how to practically do most of the things that he does. The things he tried without Caleb's help tends to fail. Caleb, not a farmer's son, but from the countryside, from that knowledge that's been passed down through generations, is able to just do those things. That knowledge is there. If you took that knowledge away, if you took farmers out and said, right, you're no good, go away. And you suddenly lost the knowledge of how to grow things, how to react to weather conditions, how to understand keeping a crop alive. You know, the drought recently has seen people irrigating. What's the best time to irrigate? How do you know when the best time to irrigate is? How do you know when the best time to put the fertiliser on? These things are all kind of instinctive because people grow up in those environments and they've learned from generations before them how to do things properly. And it is an unbelievably important role in society. 
Within farming, there's integrity. You haven't got the people reneging on paying their bills. There's an honour in the countryside. In some industries, it's a matter of course people go broke every five minutes. You know, you save several thousand pounds there going broke and setting up a new company. That doesn't happen in farming predominantly it really hasn't happened from a farming perspective with anyone i've dealt with where they've just like pulled the plug on one company and started another one bills are paid honor is maintained and there's a kind of integrity that is maintained within themselves they know if someone's going to be a bit of a cheat he gets cold shouldered and that's a terrible place for them to live so they change their ways that's normally the way it works that vital experience that is absolutely irreplaceable I couldn't do that job. My dad had a small farm, but I never really took to the dynamics of it. I probably could get away with it with a bit of help. But there are people who absolutely kind of just get it as a natural, instinctive thing. And those are the guys we're talking about here in terms of that knowledge about how to keep the world fed. But biggest of all, in my opinion is they actually do do the job. Now, if all that land went to pop stars or all the rich, you know, the lawyers, the doctors, the accountants, if they buy an estate and started growing flowers on it or started growing trees on it, or look, look, I'm saving the planet, everybody. Aren't I good? It's like, yeah, um, nothing to eat there then. There's lots of birds and bees. That's great. And it looks really pretty. But there's a few nettles over there, mate. You better do something with them. The reality is, if everybody did that, if we let those guys or the rich city bankers come down, let's buy Norfolk, what would happen to it? It would become very quickly out of condition because you have to spend money to keep mowing it and keeping it in control of certain weeds or certain plants. But more importantly, there wouldn't be any food coming off it. Within that... Just the fact that they're prepared to put up with all of the criticism, all of the constant little witticisms. Do they ever go on strike, farmers? No, they don't, do they? They've never gone on strike. I'd like to put it out there right now that if only the egg producers could go on strike so there weren't any eggs in the supermarkets and the brilliant government could import them. Oh, no, they can't import them because there aren't any spare eggs anywhere else at the moment without spending a bucket load more money to buy them. And at the moment, egg producers are losing 20 pence a dozen. That is ruthlessly the reality of allowing supermarkets to control the food chain and the government encouraging them to do so to keep inflation down. So you've got farmers who are continuing to do it. They won't just kill the chickens. They might start easing them back bit by bit if they're losing money all the time until there's a point when there aren't enough eggs. We come back to the point you'll still need a farmer to get on and start producing eggs again if they choose to. Another really good example, where would we be if these guys didn't choose to get up in the morning and do these things or invest all that money in a new tractor or invest all that money in staff and training and sprayers and all of these things? Good example about spraying or organic growing because we've got the world full of vegans who think farmers are terrible creatures and the world full of anti-spray, anti-you've ruined everything, how could you, all the river's your fault, none of my poo's in that river. Look at Sri Lanka, okay? The government there said no synthetic fertilisers or no synthetic sprays. What's happened? They've got a complete and absolute disaster with food. The government has been pretty well demolished. The Prime Minister had to leave his job. They are completely screwed because the reality of this purist thought is bullshit. In the end, you need the farmer to continue doing his job to maintain prices somewhere near where they have been previously. These are the guys you are relying upon to feed you. The country absolutely relies on on you, the farmer. You're criticised. 
for doing what you've been told to do by the government. They said produce food as cheaply as possible so we can keep the price of food down. The real price of food over the last 50, 60 years has gone down in real terms. All of a sudden, it's turning into an issue where that actually can't be the case anymore. And the model that controls all of it, supermarkets, etc., is going to break it if they don't watch out. The government, for the first time, wrote a policy about the land and the way forward, and it didn't barely mention food. And ironically... Ukraine war occurs and the next thing they've suddenly started going, ooh, food, yes, yes, we've been thinking about that a lot. I don't think so. So more importantly, and the biggest point, doing grain wouldn't exist without you. So whenever we make our little jokes, please be aware we are 100% aware ourselves that without you, we wouldn't have a product to trade. So please, when you get offended, because we've had a number of people who have been recently a little bit upset about some of our untamed wit. I base it upon as where I started this podcast. You are the world's worst compliment takers anyway. If I said gushy nice things all the time, a bit like this podcast, you wouldn't be able to bear it. A one-off, you can probably take. And you might even quote it sometime in the future. So we're going to stick to our usual wit in future podcasts. But be assured, we do love you. The country does need you. You are appreciated. And all of the things that we say, believe me, we wouldn't say them if we didn't think you were strong enough to take it. With that, have a lovely week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.